With the crazy world we live in today, many of us seek the adventure of the unknown. Join us everyday Aussies from all walks of life share stories from men and women of all hunting camps. From tips and techniques to the emotional rollercoaster ride of fulfilling a lifelong dream, there is a story to be told by all. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Get a little bit more used to this sort of thing after being in front of that for a while. You do, yeah, you do get used to this sort of thing. Mm. We've been a bit quiet lately. Oh, I know. How's going, everyone? Jake Gasparowski here again. It's been a long time since um, we put one down for you. Everyone's had a bit on. Craig's had a bit on. I've had a bit on. Toby Hines has had a bit on. Rob down south has had a bit on. And um, I'm sitting here again. Um, at Clark's place, sitting down for another one. I think the last one you, you guys would have heard from me was with Clark. So getting to know the man a little bit and got to hear what, and what he's about and I had to hear more, so I'm back again. We'll have to stop meeting like this. Oh, we'll have to sit down in front of a campfire a bit more often, I reckon. Yes, exactly. So instead of in these... In we're in a flash looking office here today. Uh, it's not flash yet, but we're slowly building our office. This is, um, yeah. as people are seeing on the, on some clips, I'm putting the, uh, putting the office together together first, which is a bit of a uh, contradiction. But anyway, yeah. nah. it's necessary. That's right. Exactly right. All right, guys. Well, um, we're here to have another yarn again, and um, it'll probably go down the lines of political, and. Um, Probably being that, it seems to be the thing these days. Uh, we will talk hunting. We'll have to get at the end. We'll finish off with a cracker hunting story. I'm sure Clark will have one. So you, that means you have to listen to the whole thing, guys, to hear the hunting story. You can't skip through to it. So, um, yeah, mate, what's been going on in your world? Uh, well, I suppose similar to everybody that uh, we've been trying to um, make sense of this crazy, crazy world with the... Uh, the woo flu, yep. Um, the China flu, China flu. How it's hammered everybody, and as I, I would rather not talk politics ever again. I am. I, I took a bit over it. Unfortunately, as as we're seeing that um, it's now dictating every part of our lives. It is. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I think the sooner people embrace what's happening and say, "Let's change it." Mm -hmm. the better we need we yep. need people to motivate yeah yeah it seems that i don't know i'm not a political person i'm more of a simple-minded fella don't get too involved in it but these days it seems to be that um everyone's trying to create teams and um there's always our team and their team and um they're sort of you can't sit in the middle these days you got to be on one or the other yeah so i think we sort of try to get, get away from that and Realise there is a middle ground, and um, we need to find that middle ground to succeed in life, and I suppose just general, yeah, just in general. Yep. So, yeah, alright. Eh? How's Red travelling, mate? Uh, the group is actually going from strength to strength at the moment. Yep. Uh, membership is growing. Uh, yeah, really every week it's bouncing ahead because I think people are are slowly getting. A better understanding of what we're actually doing. Yep. And I must say, we've been at fault. We've been at fault because we've, as a group, um, we've concentrated on doing the job right, mm -hmm. and probably not enough on promotion of yep. the group. So we wanted to achieve something, and we've we have achieved that. And when I say we, we've got a good team, great yep. team in in the group. Uh, unfortunately, probably I've been the you know the face of it for a long time and it's got a lot more depth than just me mm -hmm. there's a lot more people there so we've we have tried to explain it better so that's where you know i'm doing this as you've seen you know a series of of uh video clips yep put them on youtube and on facebook and uh yeah creating a little bit of a stir there with some people but in in many ways we're just trying to explain what we've been doing for 30 years mm-hmm and as people grasp it, yep. then they're saying, right, they can see the sense and they see the benefit in it. Yep. And that's why we're getting a lot of people coming on board. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, no, right, eh? Right, eh? And um, so obviously with COVID, last few years have been a little bit of a flop. Yeah. Looking a bit better, hopefully, this year. Yeah, it's... Um, apart from our ballot, I suppose it's been um, pretty much business as usual. Um, and probably if I, if I can explain it, that what Ridge set out to do years ago as a group, we set out to, to, to develop a management system for wild deer that uh, was a win-win situation, not just for the hunters, not just for the landowners, but for the wild deer as well. And you know, you, as you see here, I've only got a couple of, um, couple of trophies on the wall. Mm -hmm. That one's not even mine. That belongs to a, 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 um, a mate of mine that hunted with me this year. And there's a 10-year-old stag. He's a 5'6", pure Queensland bloodline stag. Yep. Uh, he's only 30, like 33 inches or 32 inches long. But, you know, in his prime, uh, a, a classic example of a Brisbane Valley red deer stag. Yep. Now, so he was taken on a ridge group block? Taken on one of our ballot yep. yeah, ballot blocks uh, by one of our hunters. And I was actually lucky to be with him. I've got the clip on there, actually. Um, uh, it was a few months ago we put the clip on there, a guy by the name of Clint Leanman and myself. Now, Clint's been up on, I think, about 20 different ballots now since yep. we started. Yeah, yep. he's been one of the stalwarts. And he's brought his sons up, and uh, they've both got, you know, double sixes, six sevens. Yeah. Six eight, um, all this. So, so they've had a great time, and he's one that's always coming up and helping other people to get started as well. Yeah, and that's yeah. We've, got, we've got a lot of those old guard that help us there. But what I'm probably referring to there is that's a classic Queensland stag. Mm -hmm. uh, we're seeing some of these monsters that are coming out of New Zealand, yeah. and that's been the the result of people chasing those hidden genetics. The yeah. you know, the, the um, uh, something from the dim deer, uh, uh, deep past. Yeah. You know, bringing that, that uh, recessive gene out in the open and, and crossing the best with the best till you get yep. to a point where you get these things that, to me, they might be a wow factor, but they're not pretty. Yeah, they do have a... Yeah, I know what you're saying. They're impressive as an animal, what an animal can do. Yeah. But it's almost like... Um, it's almost like, you know, them big, big... Big, big bodybuilder fellas, you know what I mean? Yeah. That are just on the juice. Yep. And you know it's not natural. Exactly. So, yeah, it does put a false um, interpretation in people's minds. Yep. So they all that's what they all want. Yeah. So and those that have been around a bit realise, or hope they realise that, yeah, there is some decent stuff around if you look in the real thick folds of the lay of the land. But, um, yeah. I think if they're looking for that New Zealand style head, yeah, I think that's high fence stuff. Yeah. What we're seeing and, and what we probably set out to prove for a start is that the genetics are there in our in our Queensland um, wild red deer herd. And I like to call it the heritage herd mm -hmm. because they should be heritage listed. Yep. That's what I firmly believe that they should be heritage listed. They are a part of our history and our culture. Yep. And the Which is the traditional Scottish herd. Traditional, you know, from Windsor Park. Yep. Uh, and we've got all that tradition, all that history. Everything's written down there. They just, they will not recognise it. Governments mm -hmm. have been, you know, very lax in that. They will not, for one reason or another, will not, um, will not recognise it. They used to. They used to, yeah. yeah. But it's something that, how do I say it? It's... When they're when they're gifted to the people, and there was all people, not just the hunters, but That's all people right. yep. of, of the country, um, back in eighteen seventy three to eighteen seventy six, uh, they were put out there, and I think the biggest mistake that was ever made is that they were put out and they weren't managed. It wasn't a management system that went with them. Mm -hmm. Now, if they'd talked to any ghillie over there in in Scotland or England, any deer manager over there they would have said to them that we need to manage these these animals. Yep. You know, we can't just let them out there and go to their own devices. We need to cull the herd. We need to keep the, the sex ratio right. We need to take out any you know, poorer genetics, whatever. They've been doing that for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Yep. But over here, we threw them in the bush and basically left them for 100 years. Yep. Left them for 100 years to their own devices. Yep. Uh, locked them up so that nobody was supposed to take them. Yep. And, uh, with no essential natural predators. 
Yeah, that's they had, right. a, they had a handful of dingoes and a few ticks on them. Scrub that's ticks, red cell eagles, whatever. Yeah. Which have been good in yep. a lot of ways, and we've written a lot of that with our ridge research. We've shown that if they'd bred at the same rate as, say, New Zealand deer with no predators at all, we'd have millions by now. There yep. would be red deer coming out of our wazoo, literally. Yep. They'd be everywhere. But we haven't had that because landowners, the geography, the, the vegetation, uh, climate, and yep. predators have all kept these deer pretty much in check. Yeah. You know, we're still there with a nice herd after yep. 150 years. They're not uh, not blowing out you know, through yep. the seams. So They've genetically changed a touch, I would say. Yep. You know what I mean? yep. They're traditionally a touch smaller in body weight, touch shorter, and yep. again, a bit smaller in the antler, probably because of that, all them points that you referred to just before. Yeah. Very so. much like Scottish deer. Yeah. A lot of people that have uh, got a mate over in the UK now, and he was, he's was he been sending me clips of deer in the wild in Scotland. Yeah. And he said, gee, they're so similar. Okay. They are so yep. similar, right? Yeah. But it looks like that when you need a tough animal, when you need a tough animal to survive in a tough environment, which is Queensland, um, that's the one. Yeah. That, that's, that's suited down to the ground, that mm -hmm. Scottish uh, red deer. Now, what we've... What we've seen with you know a lot of people since deer farming collapsed, they've put out some better bloodline reds in yep. areas, and yes, they have made a big improvement in some areas. Yep. Um, to me, it's like a uh, a rotten carcass. Though you get a rotten carcass somewhere, it attracts the blowflies. Yep. And wherever anybody has put better genetics out, they've got the worst poaching in the country. Yep. And uh, unfortunately, that's what's ha that's what happens yeah so with ridge you know we the name of the group says it all research into deer genetics and environment yeah what we set out to do was to uh work out what made these animals the way they are um let's look at their look at their genetics let's look at their nutrition let's look at the uh, parasites that are on them everything to do with them let's look at the way we manage them and let's come up with a better system of doing this this should yep. have been looked at 150 years ago yep that's that hunt easy system you refer to correct right that's what we've been aiming at we yep so we've we've aimed at getting to a position where we had a system where we could give it across to everybody yep literally to say right this is what we have found out this is what we suggest here it is go for it yep. right so the, all we've asked for over the years was support from hunters and people just to keep the you know enough dollars to keep the the yep. wheels ticking over. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, all the way along the line, we have run into government bureaucracy. Yep. That has been, uh, and again, because we've had such left-leaning governments for the majority of the last thirty years. Yep. Has been just about all. You know, left-wing um, governments yep. in place in Queensland, and what we've seen from them is that they don't want the deer on the coat of arms. Mm -hmm. They don't want us to have guns. They yep. would really prefer if we went and did something else, and they would yep. prefer it if they could click their fingers tomorrow and have every deer gone. Yeah, they or would. Every feral animal, not just every, deer. Exactly, every feral so, animal. Yeah. So, and and that's what we face with that uh, a lot of people think, oh, no, they're, they're happy to have them in a sustainable numbers. No, they have never put that down anywhere that I've seen, yep. that they're happy to sustainably manage these animals. If they were, I would have thought, like I'm a fairly simple fellow, but I would have thought that if that's what they were happy with, a sustainable number, they'd be trying to make money out of it. They're not trying to make money, they're just throwing money at it, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's... How do I say it's a, um, it's a it's a different philosophy. Our philosophy is, I suppose, that, that that's a part of our history and culture, uh, because hunting is such a part of our history and our culture. Yeah. We recognise it. Without a game animal to hunt, then all we are is pest controllers, and mm -hmm. that's the situation that's been forced on us in Queensland. Yep. Through you know what we see as biosecurity. If I yep. put a, a name to it. Uh, the biosecurity movement, and, and I, I might sound like I'm, I'm throwing off at these people. I'm not. Biosecurity, there's a lot of great people in there that are working their butt off to preserve our way of life. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, without strong biosecurity, we wouldn't have a cattle industry or sheep no. industry. We would be toast. Yep. We'd have some bug, disease, uh, parasite, you know, fungus, whatever, would come in and wreck every one of our uh, agricultural industries. That's right. We've got to have strong biosecurity right behind them. But unfortunately, things like wild deer don't fit into their plan. Mm -hmm. And really, I'm sure if they could click their fingers and have them gone, they'd have them gone tomorrow. Yeah. Is that because of they are an issue or they are uneducated on actually what they are as an animal? A bit of both, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, to me, because we didn't have that management right from day one, yep. if there'd been a system put in, in say 1880 or whatever, let the deer get out, yes, they're alive, they're doing okay, there should have been a management system put in place, recording yep. done, yep. Um, agreements with landowners, whatever needed to be done, should have been put in place right back then. That yep. would have been the ideal step. And I suppose people had a lot more on their mind at that time was just survival. That's right. Yeah, survival. Yeah. So right, 50 years ago, we saw the first um, hunting season for these ones when you could get tags to hunt them. Yep. It wasn't done absolutely correctly. It was done under a crop protection uh, permit. It wasn't yep. a game animal hunted under game licenses. We never had that. It was a crop protection. And permit. why did they bring that tag in? Is that because there was got to the point of there's too many or is it, did they just think, righto, we can start hunting them now, is there enough demand for it? Like why did all of a sudden you couldn't hunt them and then you could? That was back in the time when we had uh, the uh, country party yep. and the national party yep. were basically in power. They were the Joe days. Yep. That's when the uh, deer was put on the coat of arms of Queensland Yep. and those things happened because that was what you do, yep. right? And uh, that was, I think, what was always intended for the deer, that yep. they were there for people to hunt. So in some ways, I'd say the um, conservative governments of the time were getting behind hunting, fishing, yep. you know, outdoor pursuits, which yep. was great. That yep. was really good. Because the animals were under the, <clears throat> under the uh, Nature Conservation Act at the time, probably it was the way that it could be done without starting whole new departments or whatever. I really do feel it was a shame they didn't start a game department right then, right yep. in, in... If they had a crystal ball, they probably would have. Probably would have, yeah. Yep. In in the 1970s, you know, yep. if they'd started it, it would have been great. But anyway, they, they got that tag permit, uh, tag and permit system going. And unfortunately, our hunters who have, and myself included, and granddad and dad and everybody else, who'd hunted these things for years beforehand, said, what do we need tags for? You know, we've, we've always hunted them. Yeah. And it was a lot of money at that stage too. You know, like it was only 90, I think it was $95 for two tags. Yeah. But back in the, in the 80s, that was, that was a lot of dollars. A lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. Yeah. So <clears throat> um, probably it wasn't handled as well as what it could have been. But to me, looking back now, instead of not supporting it, it would have been far better if people had have supported it but pushed for change. Mm -hmm. you know, there was groups, ADA was pushing for better uh, change, but at the same time, they would have actually, like uh, we'd have a, you know, uh, a trophy display at places like Sheep Station Creek Hall, yeah. and there'd be 70 or 80 heads up on the wall, yeah. and hardly any, if any, would have a tag on them. Mm. So anybody coming in from the authorities would look there and say, well, this is the biggest conglomeration of poachers we've ever seen. Yeah. And that was the one of the things that led to our demise because there was actually in a um, uh, Australian Deer magazine, an article written in there uh, by one, of, I think it was Brisbane or Gympie Branch president or state sec uh, president at the time, saying how many thousand deer were shot each year in Queensland and um, by members and estimated you know, yep. numbers and whatever. And when it was Brian Murphy, uh, this is I think about 91, 92, Brian Murphy, the biologist from Georgia that was overworking in Tasmania, he was up here uh, trying to assist with, with uh, getting a better, you know, better deal for the deer. Um, Steve Watson, as a solicitor and myself, met with mm. National Parks. Yep. And if I can, you know, what 
the minister did, he actually he got one of the uh, secretaries came out and put two pieces of paper in front of us and one was an extract out of, of uh, Australian Deer magazine saying how many deer were shot. Yeah. And the other one was their figures on how many tags were issued. Yeah. And their figures showed, I think, on average about 17 tags a year were issued and there was thousands of deer being shot. Mm. And he said to us then, he leaned over the table and he said, you are the biggest pack of lying, thieving, hypocritical bastards I have ever seen in my life. Yep, which essentially is true. It was pretty Spot much on, on. He nailed us. Nailed it. But in some ways, we could throw it back that if you gave us a decent system to start yep. with, maybe it wouldn't have been that way. Yep. Maybe if the system had been in place for you know, 20, 30 years before that or whatever and gradually brought in, yep. maybe we would have seen something different. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so hard to say where the default lies. lay. You know, but it's <clears throat> that was the, the fact, and that's when they dropped deer off, the Nature Conservation Act, uh, put them into a, a grey area where they're no longer a, um, introduced fauna, that they were then uh, seen as a feral or a no you know, no status animal. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the hunters just celebrated. They really said, this is fantastic. We don't need permits now. We don't need any. We can shoot as many as we want, as often as we want. Yep. Unfortunately, the hunters at that time should have jumped up and down and said, no, we want a system. Yeah. We want, we demand a system. And we will be responsible. And we will make sure that our members are responsible. Yeah. I think we're they buggered up was they were thinking right now not well yeah. this is great right now but yeah. they're not saying in 20 30 40 50 years what's going to happen yeah they weren't so, looking over the horizon yeah 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 so that's what we Which tried is pretty to do. easy to do yeah very exactly. easy to do so well that's what we we tried to combat then as ridge yep in 1992 so we're coming up 30 years now yep that we've been going we said, we have got to have a management plan. We've yep. got to somehow work this out. Now, how could we say this needs to be done with the deer when we don't know, we haven't got the research done? That's right. So literally it's taken us 30 years. It could have been done a lot quicker, but it's taken us 30 years to develop what we've developed. Yep. All right. So that's the system called Hunt Easy. Yep. And that's based on the research that we've done. Unfortunately, a lot of that research could have been done a lot better and a lot quicker if we'd had government support. Mm -hmm. But we've never had one dollar from government. Yep. And the worst of it, we've actually run into the situation where we had um, research students that came and worked with us. Yep. Um, we got them started. Personally, I started probably three different guys uh, um, on, on this road. And... As soon as biosecurity came along with a big fistful of dollars and started flashing the money around, mm -hmm. everybody jumped ship. Yeah. Right? I, I've probably lost a lot of faith in research scientists. You know, yeah. I say that. And, and um, one guy, I named one of my lads after him. And literally that's how close he was to me. And he just jumped ship. Yeah. Because of dollars. Because of the dollars. Yeah. The dollars in the position. Thinking now, yeah. not in the future. Another one, I just about came to blows with him uh, because I blocked one of his research funding initiatives that they had going through biosecurity um, simply because I wouldn't accept the pest mantra. That I would not, yeah. would not accept the deer as yeah. a pest. I had one of the uh, head guys in the Invasive Species Council at the time come up to me at uh, a convention in Canberra and he said, Clark, we'd like to help you out, your Ridge Group, we'd like to help you out with some research funding. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, listen, if you write your abstract or your proposal for us and use the password, use words like eradicate, you know, trap and poison, uh, shoot, destroy, Keywords like that in your abstract, he said, I'll get you a quarter million dollars as a research grant. Yeah. And I told him where he could roll up his 
money and shove it yeah. out of the sunlight. That's right. He said I was being stupid and he offered it again and I told him again what he could do with his blood money. Do you From, regret that? No, I don't. That's good. Because I've still got my integrity. Yep. And that's our group has still got its integrity. Mm -hmm. That's what we held together. Now was a pretty horrendous price to pay. Yep. And I had one of these research students just, you know, or research people, uh, doctors now, say to me, you're being stupid. You have to accept the pest uh, listing. You have to use the pest word, Clark. They're a pest. And I said, no, I don't. I see them as a very, very badly managed resource. Mm -hmm. If they'd been managed properly from day one, our red deer, they would not be a problem at all. No. And we would have a terrific industry, if I say a hunting, a recreational hunting industry based around them. Yeah. But now what we've got, we've, we've seen the deer farming industry collapse through mm -hmm. lack of government support. And that was very much political. Yep. Uh, we've seen deer then of all species let go everywhere around the state, mm -hmm. which is coming back to bite us. Yep. We don't need rooster deer living in the middle of Brisbane. No. We don't need chittle at Narang. Yeah. We don't need chittle at Gundawindi or whatever. We don't need that. Yeah. So what we've, as hunters, we have used the collapse of the deer industry to give us a lot of short-term hunting. Yeah. And it's now coming back to bite us because everything is classed as pests. That's right. And literally, again, if there was a silver bullet and they could use it against all deer in this country, I asked people, I said, do you think they wouldn't use it? Oh, hands down they'd use it. Yeah. And then, to be honest, majority of the people would, farmers included, would, they'll put their hand up for that bullet. Yep. So, yep. You can't blame the farmers. No. And, and uh, it's... Some of the clips I'm doing at the moment, I'm trying to explain that situation. Yep. And I'm copping a fair bit of flack from hunters. And all I want them to do is pull up and listen. Play the clip a few times. Listen yep. to what I say and please just have a look at it. Because all I'm trying to put out is the situation. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was talking to a guy the other day, very experienced um, uh, control operator that's yep. um, working all around the country. Nice guy, and I was talking to him, and I and I we were talking about aerial culling. Yeah. We we're talking about salmon deer. Right. Now the salmon deer, he. Hang on, I better stop that puppy. Ah, oh, he's right. <laughs> That's my new pup. <laughs> yeah, his new pup. I've called him Brandon. Brandon, go yeah. Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Come he's on. He's the one with no nuts, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's him. He's got no kahunis. Um, right. We were talking about the um, aerial shoots. And the samba deer. The samba deer are probably the most efficient, if we want to call it invasive animal, oh, yeah. um, large animal that we've got. Mm. They really know their stuff they when it comes adapt. to survival and adapting. Like to go from, I don't know if people realise where samba deer come from, they come from India, which is a very harsh, dry environment, and they're thriving in this yep. Australia's alpine yep. snow. They like, can go from the snow to the tropics. That's right. And do good in it. Yeah. So something's got to be done. And, and I'm all for more hunting access, uh, more controlled, sensible hunting programs. Get yep. in there. But it does also mean that we have to use whatever methods are available to keep the numbers in check. That's right. As part of an overall management plan. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about that and how really aerial shooting and that and even ground shooting really won't eradicate anything. Okay. No. Now, in certain areas it will. Certain areas, um, localised areas, can be totally annihilated by aerial shoots. Yeah. Right? Or baiting or trapping or whatever. Yep. So it can be done. It can be done. But overall, um, it's, it's not the silver bullet. What I see as a silver bullet that will be used will be CRISPR gene editing, mm -hmm. where... Anybody wants to look at some of the clips I've put up there and go on. They've only got to go on to um, onto the net, look at Google, put in TED Talks and using CRISPR to uh, control invasive species mm -hmm. and just go, go along that line. You'll see um, gene editing is the weapon that could be used to, to eradicate 
all different invasive so species. essentially when you say gene editing, you're talking turning genes, switching them on and off, whether that be making an animal infertile or not. Basically, yeah. Yep. Yep. Or still having them as fertile, but they only then breed, say, male animals. Yep. Which essentially will just breed themselves out. Breed themselves out. Sooner or later, yep. 10, 20, yep. 15 years, you know, you're going to have a whole bunch of, I was about to say. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> so, so the boys are going to be pretty lonely there for a while. Yeah. Uh, but that's, and it's not just me, you know, making a guess at this. You, yeah. All the clips are there. Yeah. You know, there's a little one there the other day about eggs, um, how they, they're looking, they've got uh, chickens uh, for the egg laying uh, chicken industry, mm -hmm. how they're having to kill literally hundreds of thousands of roosters a year because they're no good to them. No. So if they can switch off the gene and only have female chickens um, produced, yep. then they're stopping all that needless, what they call cruelty, and mm -hmm. killing those extra animals. You can see how the agricultural industry could jump on this. The dairy industry would love that. Dairy industry, the pig industry, where yeah. they're saying, okay, we only want um, you know, females or we only Every want males. Every time I buy a pig, I only buy a sow. Yep. So, yep. so there's applications that will be it will be used for. Yep. Now, when we talked about this the other day, this this guy and I uh, on the phone, he said, he said he didn't think that they'd get animal ethics approval to use this uh, CRISPR gene editing, and he could be right, but unfortunately, it could be the whole future of our hunting hinges on whether or not they get animal ethics approval. Yeah. So let's say, let's just say they, they do, and they do get it, well, there is a way that's racing at us like a freight train yep. where they'll start on things like cane toads, which is already plenty of articles out there about, about cane toads, mm -hmm. uh, mosquitoes, yep. uh, and then they'll look at things like wildcats and foxes. foxes. All those are yep. like no-brainers. There will yep. be very, very few people that will stand up in the defense of a cane toad or a wildcat. Yeah. Right. So if they do that, then they'll look at the wild pig. Yeah. And the wild pig, literally most landowners will support I'll that. put their hand up. Yeah. I'll put their hand up. Yeah. So then if they have successes in all those areas and say something like the Samba deer are forging up through New South Wales into Queensland mm -hmm. and they say we have to stop these invasive species, yep. we're going to have a very, very tough job of stopping it. Mm -hmm. That's if they get animal ethics approval. I know. If they don't, and hunters can motivate themselves, and a lot of it will come back to that. Yeah. And it might be put down to a um, to a decision where we do get a favourable government, and they'll say, right, we have to control these animals. What is your plan? Yep. That's what we've set out for with Ridge Group. Yep. To say, okay, here is our plan. Our plan is sustainable hunting. Yep. Let's make them an industry, a recreational hunting industry. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure the landowners are compensated. So they are happy to have them on their properties. Yep. But what it needs is then the recreational hunters have got to stand up and be counted. Yeah. They have got to behave themselves. They've there, got to stand up and be counted. I um, recall recently, and I signed it, and I believe you did, there was a petition recently going around Facebook. Yeah. And it was all with the strategy of sustainable hunting in state forests, yep. correct? Fantastic. And that so was, who are the people behind that? That was Nick Demito from uh, Cattle Party. Yep. And this has been fantastic that the Cattle Party has been like the first cab off the rank, and they've always been in su in support of of hunting and firearms. Yep. Uh, I've had many a talk with with Shane Canute, with Bob, Robbie, uh, Ray Hopper when he was running for the uh, for the local area. Yep. Uh, Les Mucken. Uh, and I even went to the Torres Strait with George Ryan mm -hmm. around there. So great guys, a lot of time for them. And to see that Nick has has sponsored this uh, petition, mm -hmm. it was put up by the uh, uh, State Forest Hunting Alliance Group. Yep. And look, we've had our, our, our um, issues in the past because but they've been, I think, a bit reckless. Yep. But this is a step in the right direction. Mate, hats and, off to them for taking that step. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was in there, and I, as soon as I could, I signed it, and yep. I said to everybody behind us, "Let's let's sign this. Let's support this." Right. Yep. But the next question is, what do these people see as sustainable? Yep. 
that's the big question. Like getting, you know, people into state forest. I say, let's get people into state forest hunting. Okay, I'm right for it. Yeah, I say that time and time again. Mm -hmm. But it's the way it's done. That's right. Because if it's done the wrong way, if they override the landowners, mm -hmm. if they override the landowners or try to override them, what they'll do is they will spook. They will get the landowner offside. Yep. And literally. Um, from all that I can see <clears throat> and all the research that I've seen come in, probably 80 to 90% of all animals, introduced animals that we see as wild game yep. in this state, live on the freehold, leasehold or permit country yep. of landowners or native title owners. Yeah, and right. because that's the pick of the land. That's the pick of the land. You know, it's got the best soils, it's got the best waters, yep. it's got the best feed. Yeah. So it's a no-brainer. That's where they are. Yep. So, and this is where the political side comes into it, right? So we've got cattle party have stood up and be counted. Now, on some of my clips, what I intend to do uh, in this next month or two, we'll be asking people like uh, I did last night. I talked to a guy, uh, Nathan uh, McDonald from the United Australia Party. Yep. About this, and he could see no issues in sustainable management of a species that is not causing undue harm, Yep. right? So that was good, but I'd like to interview him on that mm -hmm. and get their position. I'd like to see a position from someone like Craig Kelly himself. Yep. Uh, and it's really up to us as hunters now to get that from them before yep. the election yep. and say to all the different people, what is your situation, especially before the next Queensland election? So that's, that's a couple of years off. That's a couple of years off. Yeah, uh, I've talked with people like uh, MP Tony Perrett. Mm -hmm. Tony Perrett is a keen hunter, great guy, right behind sustainable management, right yep. for the for the Liberal National Party. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, a lot of our hunters at the last election attacked him relentlessly. We have a habit of eating our own, don't we? They shoot the messenger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we do. We we have got a really bad habit of doing that. Yeah, we need that unity that you've talked about quite often. That we yeah. need people to work together. That's right. So there's a give and take, and I think that's where people get lost. They're thinking that people can be so quite selfish. A lot of yeah. people are selfish, and it's just in human nature to take what they want. So yeah. I think we've got to sort of try to put that aside and think that, you know, and if like I've got a son only a few weeks weeks away and if I want to in twenty, thirty years sit around a fire with him hunting, that's what I'm thinking about. So yeah. and if we're not careful, yeah. Yeah. We could lose it. And yeah. and that's that's why we have to look at the politics. And if people think that we ain't gonna lose it, they're extremely foolish. Yeah. Like it's way leaning their way than ours. Very, very risky like, stuff. Yeah. Very risky stuff. Yeah. If, they're, if they are, to me, uh, our right to hunt and our hunting future is one of the most precious things we've got. Because while you can, I look at it this way, while we can pick up a rifle and go out in the bush and hunt a, a magnificent animal like one of these red deer mm -hmm. and bring it home, put it on the wall or to feed our family, yeah. while we can do that, we're still free. Yep. When we lose a right, when somebody says there's no, you can't hunt, mm -hmm. where we've lost yeah. a huge I'm no part good of at golf. No, no. I'm horrible at golf. I could see you being a bad one on a golf buggy. <laughs> <laughs> but so we're, what I've tried to point out to people here in Queensland, we've got no game legislation. No. We've got no game legislation. We've got go, no game licenses. New South Wales, Victoria, Tassie, all got game licenses. Yep. Up here, we don't have that, and it hasn't really sunk into people. Mm -hmm. All we can be doing is controlling pest animals for landowners on their pick numbers, on mm -hmm. their, their properties, as under the Biosecurity Act. Yep. And under the Animal Care and Protection Act, we have to, if we don't comply with the Biosecurity Act, yep. if we're outside that act, well, then we're potentially creating an animal welfare violation. Yeah. So all these acts and terminology that Clark is referring to, um, I urge you, if you don't understand them or not sure of them, he has a check, go to his Facebook. Most of us have got Facebook. If not, your daughter or your son does. Tell them to friggin' type in Clark McGee on Facebook. And there is a 
numerous clips explaining all these for the like I'm one of them people, them non-political layman sort of people. I need things because they use a lot of big words to mm. confuse a lot of people. Yeah. So, yeah, Clark's videos explain that in detail, and you know, and there's little sections that are hidden by other little sections that lay it all out. And if you go through them, you'll realise that yeah, it's it's all laid out there for us to fail. People have been having a go at us lately saying, Clark, just stick to your hunting videos. You know, Ra, don't get into all this political BS. To me, those people are so naive. They're so not they're so selfish. They yeah. want to they want to get their, their jollies. They want to see their mm. hunting thing. Where to me, forget about all that. If mm -hmm. it means that your son coming up, you know, can't hunt in the future because we didn't get off our bums yep. now, that we we've lost, we've dropped the ball. Yeah. Yeah, it won't be your young fella dropping the ball because he won't even get a chance to no. pick it up. That was my mistake, not his, yeah. Yeah, it's our, no. we have got to act now. Yeah. You know, we've got enough, I've got enough trophies on the wall. I don't I'm have not, many. I'm happy We're if on. I never shoot another one again. Exactly. So, so so we've got to be looking at future generations. So we've got to look at the politics. We need good people to represent us. Mm -hmm. And like I said, so far, Cata Party has stood out from the rest. Yeah. Okay. One Nation, let's see where you stand. If yep. they're saying kill them all, and they, one of their representatives a couple of years ago was saying kill them all. Yep. And I thought, well, if we're going to kill them all, recreational hunting is not the most effective way. No. Right? No. So what we're doing it's is... It's not a long-term solution anyway. It's not a long-term solution. Yeah, short-term solution. Yeah. So we have to embrace sustainable management mm -hmm. if we're going to see recreational hunting survive. Yep. That's what it comes down to. That's what we've aimed at with Ridge for 30 years. Yep. And I believe that's what we have there. I'm not saying it is totally complete. There's a lot of things that we have to tweak and change. Yep. But if we base things around sustainable, a sustainable approach, mm -hmm. and on future clips, I'll even talk about the antler genetic side of it. We talked about that for a start about, you know, that's up on the wall here. That's a typical, you know, 10, 11 point Queensland bush stag. Yep. He's not this massive double 20. Yeah. Okay. Why isn't it? So I'm going to go into that side of it as well. What is mm -hmm. deer velvet? A lot of people don't know what deer velvet is. What? No. You know, all that side. And that's been my, you know, my, I suppose, um, previous occupation was a deer velvet grader. Yeah. I produced, you know, used to have seven, 800 stags uh, behind high fence that we yep. just cut velvet off. Uh, judged velvet competitions, trained in New Zealand, that sort of stuff. So yep. I'll, I'll go through that that um, whole sort of scenario behind the uh, what what creates good uh, antlers on stags. Yep. Let's have a look at that. Let's try and explain it to some of the people that haven't had a chance to see yep. you know, how it worked. Yeah. So no. that's all in the future. If we can, if we can show people why we have deer the way we have. Yep and how we can make them better mm -hmm. and how we can share them. I yep. think we've we've done our job. Ridge yep. Group then as a group has done its job. Yeah. Yeah. No, damn straight. Damn straight. No, right, eh? Well let's um what else we got to talk about? Up to you. Let's let's <laughs> let's have a hunting story. We've bored <laughs> bored you a few people with a friggin' whole bunch of political stuff. Hunting and story. I told you we've got a hunting story. Um this tar on the wally. He is a thumper. Yeah, he's not too bad. Oh, I think yeah. yeah not too bad. Uh, <laughs> if anyone wants to know, he's about 14 and a half inches yeah. and he's a good tar. Yeah, yeah just, just over 14. He's just, yeah, a good tar. I was hunting with um, some good mates over there in the uh, in the um, west coast of yep. New Zealand. And uh, we, we actually, we got some pretty good weather. It was cold and a bit of snow, but it wasn't terrible. Yep. And we went into the, uh, I won't say which block, but it was one of the um, the uh, ballot blocks. Yep. I think we had the second second period of the uh, the ballot, mm -hmm. and it went well. It was it was one of those hunts that, uh, yeah, it was just fantastic. We shot quite a few nannies. We each got a couple of bull tar. Yeah. Uh, yep. uh, uh, each of the people in the party. And I just love it. That's that's something I just mm. yeah. Real adventure hunt that New Zealand stuff, isn't it? It is. Yeah. But that's probably an example we can use too that people don't realise how close they were to losing it. Yeah, you know, oh, back yeah. in the in the eighties. And wasn't it amazing? But just recently they all just close close to losing it. Like yeah. only 
a year yeah. or two ago. Yeah. It was very inspiring to see the amount of people that put money behind the defence of the tar from That's all around the world. And look at them back down. Yeah. They That's did. what we need. But on the other, other side of it, it was great to see the guys over there in dock and, and the other hunters uh, realising that the numbers have to be kept in check. Yeah. And when we go up there hunting tar, um, I know we're all concentrating on getting a big bull like that. Yeah. But we really do need to shoot nannies. Yeah. Because the more nannies that are shot by recreational hunters, the less the Waro boys have got to shoot with their choppers. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's okay for hunters to blame government all the time. But we should be pointing the finger back on ourselves a lot and saying, exactly. we've got to get off our butts yep. and do the job. Mm -hmm. To do it, we need to have good opportunity. So yep. it's, it's a hand in hand. In hand. It's, a, it's got to be a win-win situation. Yep. You know, but they are a magnificent animal where there's too many of them. I saw it myself in some areas there where there's too many of them. The damage they're doing to some of the alpine scrub and that there is, is pretty severe. Yep. Uh, but having said that, yeah, um, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting landscape. They are different. They're a different species to uh, say what we're talking about with the red deer uh, on cattle country over yep. here. They're up there in the alpine. Uh, yeah. So there's Just, not a lot of interference between the tar and rural farmers. Being the cattle industry, the dairy industry can. Conflicting yeah. problems like we have here in Australia. Not not as much. Uh, they are coming down in some areas a lot lower, yep. especially on the east coast. Yeah, uh, but they're, they're not favouring no that country. No, you know? they live live in the mountains. They yep. live in, you know, in, the, in the really severe stuff. Uh, it's a bit like say the Wapiti in uh, in Fiordland. There, I've got you know a photo of Dad up there. I think that was 1946, if I remember. Um, 1946. 46, 47, mm -hmm. coming out of the Wapiti country, that yep. photo. And that's a big head he's holding there, is shot by Harry Odie. Uh, I think that was the Kenny Del Rimple, one of the Kenny Del Rimple expeditions. Her dad was a, a junior guide and um, out there, you know, guiding and helping out and rowing the boat and caping animals yep. and carrying packs and whatever. Uh, and actually, Harry was the guide and he shot that stag. Um, when it was passed up by, uh, from memory, it was Kenny Del Rimple. Yeah, right. It's eh? a, I think it's a fifteen point. I think it's 52, 52 by forty eight or something. Yeah, like no, he's an um, impressive animal. Yeah, a massive animal. But there's a classic example. We've still got those animals. They nearly they nearly disappeared because they um, were shot so hard in yep. the venison recovery days. But the Fiordland Wapiti Society over there has done such an incredible job oh, of managing yep. an introduced species mm -hmm. in a heritage, world heritage area. That's right. Take That's your hat right. off to them. Yeah, no, it's, um, and yeah, they've done special things now. Like awesome stuff. Everyone's trying to get it. We're trying to, I'm always trying to throw yep. them out the ring for it. Yeah. So. And to think that they're talking the same thing as what we're talking, culling out the, the uh, crossbred animals and yep. the inferior genetics. Leaving the young stags go through to a good age. Yep. Managing in a block system where you um, you you know can you're going for a draw. A block, yep. Going for a draw, and having rules and that some of them unwritten rules that those hunters must you know mm. comply with. Yeah. So it's exactly what we have done with our red deer here with the Ridge Group. So it's essentially uneasy. Uneasy. It's yeah. the same. Very very similar system. Yep. If they can make it work over there in a world heritage area, there's no reason why we can't make it work in our state forests and national parks here in Queensland. Ah, but straight. we need to have a system. We can't have open slather. Yeah. We need to try to be on the same page at least. Try and be on the same page. So, so this is, I suppose, if the one message I could sort of put out to you there is what we've tried to do with Ridge is get along with everybody Mm -hmm. without compromising our integrity. Yep. You know, we have not accepted the pest listing. Yep. We've accepted the deer are a, uh, a problem, problematic animal. Mm -hmm. If they're not managed, they That's can right. be a real pain in the bum. They can be a huge economic loss. Yeah. They can do environmental damage. 
yeah. if they're not managed. But with the right tools in place and the the rule, the, the the farmer also in the right frame of yep. mind, he has to. Yeah, it, it can all work. It can be a huge asset, but to do it, the one word is cooperation. We yep. need cooperation of all the groups under a common banner. Yep. And that common banner is sustainable use management. Yep. Yep. Oh, damn straight. Damn straight. All right, guys. Well, um, this one's going to be a quick one. So, uh, yeah, we're coming on an hour now. So, Gee whiz. Um, mate. Went quick. Yeah, it did go quick. It mm. did go quick. Actually... We're not too far off the red rut. Mm. Once, once you've got big plans or what? Yes, we've got probably, I think, 80 to 90 people registered in the uh, ballot. Yep. Uh, this year, I think we'll have the best season. I think this will be the best season we've ever had. Yeah, we've got some great feed at the moment. Great feed. Uh, it's interesting, and this is where we talk about the genetics. That's with the G in Ridge. Yep. Uh, research into deer genetics and environment. With the feed that we've got out there, we have not seen anything like that, and not just for the last month or so. It's been a, a really good lead up from last year. We've had terrific feed, and we can go out there, like one of the clips I put on there recently, uh, where I was overlooking a mob of stags coming up a hill, yep. and there was a big old thumper in the gully right beside me, yeah. you know, and he was looking down on the other stags like I was. He didn't yep. know I was there, and I knew he was there. Yeah. But in amongst those stags were good young ones, yep. good medium age ones, but there's also a cull stag. Yep. And you look at it and say, why? You know, what's wrong? Did your mum not pick you up from the school bus? You know, what what was your problem? What's your issue? Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, no, but there's a lot to it. There's, there's a, a lot to it, yeah. So. so we're seeing some of the biggest double twos and double threes we've ever seen this year. I think, I'm no expert, but I reckon that's got a massive... In the last five years, Queensland and most of Australia has been in massive drought. Yep. So them double twos and double threes, I don't know. My theory is it possibly is that that hind, she was in bad condition when she gave birth to that that stag. So it has to pass on that way, does it not? Yeah, it does. Uh, in the same area, you can see a stag that will grow on you know dry drought conditions and it'll still grow a double six yep and right beside it is a stag that's lived beside it it's their mothers lived together they probably got mated to the same stag mm -hmm. and they've lived on all the same conditions in the same area and one will grow to a double six and one will grow to a double two right. at the same age right so there's more to it feed does have a big part in it yep and on, uh, there's studies done in, uh, I think it was Massey University in uh, New Zealand there where they showed that uh, they actually had two trial groups of uh, hinds. Yep. And they kept them on the same feed. They actually um, mated them, I think it was by um, AI, uh, to the same stag at the same time. All the hinds were the same body weight. Mm -hmm. A very, very controlled uh, study. And in one of the control, uh, in the control group, they um, they kept them on the same feed all the way through. Yep. On the other group, they cut them off feed for I think it was two weeks. Mm -hmm. Literally, nearly starved them for a couple of weeks. Yep. Then brought them back on the same feed. In that group that was um, reduced, had reduced feed. They had all the birthing difficulties. Mm -hmm. They had all the low weight fawns, mm -hmm. and they had. I think uh, some of them were up to a couple of weeks late giving birth. Yep. So it definitely has an effect. Yep. But it's not the whole answer. Mm -hmm. I think um, inbreeding yep. has a huge um, role in what we're seeing. Yep. When we get the same stag, say it's a big two, three or whatever, goes over a mob of hinds. Yep. And we walk past him and shoot the beautiful young double five that's beside him and then he gets all the females yeah the next year he comes back with that same group of females and there's another good double five or double six there yeah and we shoot it before it gets a chance to breed and the double two two three gets the hinds again and that yep. goes on and on and on yeah and after a few years that stag is then mating with his his daughters and his granddaughters mm -hmm. and his mother and his auntie yeah and then if another stag takes over that's probably one of his sons and it's a 
double two or a two three again, they can throw it even worse out of whack. Then yeah. we, we keep doing the same thing. We keep shooting the one that yeah. comes up that looks good or the cover and yeah. we leave the junk. Mm. That has got to have a big effect as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When you're breeding cattle, you don't use the same bull over your heifers. No. You, know, you change your bulls over. Yeah. You bring in better genetics. Yeah. And that's that's the blueprint that the cattle, the sheep, the uh, horse industries use all the time. Yeah. And that's why people go out and pay fifty, eighty thousand dollars for a for a, a bull. Yeah. To to put across their their cows, uh, because they know the value of good genetics. Yeah. We're doing the opposite. You're doing the opposite. We we do the opposite in the bush. Yeah. We shoot the good ones and leave yep. undesirable. We're all guilty of it. Yeah. So sooner or later you you catch on. So. Well, that's hopefully, as people are seeing what we're about, that a lot of it can be changed simply by that you know, quarter inch of trigger pull. Yeah. You know, if we, instead of shooting that one, we shoot that one, we make a big difference to yeah. the herd. They still so. taste the same. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> and that's what we've tried to do with our Glenfiddich uh, project, where we've actually given the hunters a chance to hunt cull animals and cull hinds through the rest of the year. Yeah. And that makes a big difference. Keeping yep. those those hind population down in an area yep. means more available feed for the for the other ones that are there. Yep. And keeping the cull stags down and letting the better young ones breed lifts the quality. So yeah. keeping the cocky happy in return. Keeping the cocky happy, so we have less deer, better quality. Yep. And you know, cocky's happy. Landowners happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's my number one thing. I think people need to realise. That's what I'm keep harping on about. That if the landowners get to the point like especially in our brisbane valley the thing that's kept the deer there for the last 150 years has been the fact that landowners might not love them but they, they tolerate, tolerate them. them and they know that there's a history there there's a culture involved. and also there's also been a little value there's been a bit of value to it bit of value to it and they're part of the overall part of the overall the facade yeah yeah, yeah, of, of, yeah. The, of the area yeah um, but if we lose that, if we lose that grace of the landowner, mm -hmm. if suddenly they get pushed, and this is where it comes back to groups like biosecurity, uh, biosecurity is really pushing and more will happen now that after this woo flu has hammered things. We've only got to look at um, recently, uh, I think it was uh, MP Little Proud said that we have got to watch out for new emerging diseases coming from the animal uh human environmental interface basically yeah, right. that's the bush that's the farm mm. so they're worried about diseases like hendra yonis yep. lepto all those different ones that could be carried by deer and passed on to a human passed on to humans which i'm not sure has done as yet but they reckon that it's we're seeing it in, in America. They're talking about even over there in some areas, they're saying that the COVID was in the deer. I have heard that, yeah. And they're talking about their, their CJ, their, um, their chronic wasting disease, CWD over there, which is yeah. very much like our Yoni's disease. Mm -hmm. So all this is challenges ahead of us. If that becomes too big an issue for landowners, then our deer will not last. That's right. We've got to do something about it. And then goes, if all them feral animals are gone, there's one of your main reasons to own a gun. Yeah, exactly. The biggest reason to own a gun. The main reason, exactly, yeah. So, all right, eh? A lot hey. to do, a lot of work to do. We do, we do. Mm. So again, thanks, Clark. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity to Mate, and it won't be the last, talk. that's for sure. Yeah. Won't be the last. And uh, again, guys, I uh, urge you to check out Clark's stuff on Facebook. Um, I've learned a lot. I was a very narrow-minded sort of bloke over the last few years and... Yeah, I've learned a lot. Opened my eyes up, seeing what's going on. So hopefully we can get a few others in. Yeah. You know what I mean? See, see what's over the ridge. Most most of Look our over hunters... Over the hill, not just yeah. what's in, not right there in front of us. Most of our hunters want to do the right thing, I believe. Yeah. And that's where we just got to channel, give them the opportunity. Yep. Yep. So again, guys, check out Clark, check out Ridge Group, and um, you'll be enlightened. Thanks, bud. No worries. See you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Hunting Camp Downloader podcast. If you would like any information from today's show, 
please don't hesitate to contact us on huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com or simply hit us up on any of our social media outlets on Instagram or Facebook. Be sure to join us next week for another awesome episode and we look forward to sharing another story from Hunting Camp Down Under. Bye for now.